everyone. Welcome to Different Like Me, a podcast for creating connection and belonging through storytelling. It is 2023, a new year, and for the podcast, that means a new format. So last year, you guys sent me a few questions on Instagram, and I want to answer them today. So typically what I do when I'm preparing an episode is I write everything out. I script it because... Do you hear the nice sirens in the background? That's great. Thank you, Saul. Anyways, I can get distracted very easily. I use filler words while they're really intense. Enjoy this taste of the city life. But (laughs) for answering these questions, I wanted to do things kind of off the cuff. So that's what I'm doing today. And you're kind of, you should buckle up for this one, okay? Because there's a lot of questions. You guys did not hold back. And there are things that I've never talked about before, um, publicly, I guess, that I want to address today. So um, if you're keen, stick around and get cozy because it's story time. Let's get into it. All right. Hello, everyone. I hope you've had a great holiday season. Um, I have been putting off this particular episode for months now because I'm scared to death to record it. (laughs) Not only is my kind of security blanket been taken away, I intentionally did that, so it's no one else's fault but mine, but I also, if you can hear, I have like a little cold today, and as I said in the intro, these are just some very intense questions, and I'm scared of not being able to adequately um, address them or you know, really get out what I'm feeling or communicate what's on my heart. So I'm going to try to do my best and going to try to not make this episode an hour long. So let's just, you know, jump into it. I've, I've structured these questions in a way that they start off fairly, you know, average, and then they grow in intensity as we go along the list. So the first question is the classic introvert or extrovert. And uh, right off the bat, I would say ambivert. So I actually took a a course in university that was uh, personality theory. And the whole entire class, we just took personality assessment after personality assessment. We took dozens. And then at the end of the semester, our final was to write like a 20-page paper about ourselves. And I never tested consistently introvert or extrovert. It was like back and forth. So definitely land in that ambivert area. But I think the pandemic kind of pushed me into in like more into introvert because I was alone <laughs> so much. Being in a new country, I uh, didn't have, you know, a ton of friends or people I knew. I like I literally knew no one here when I moved. And so yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I would say ambivert, leaning introvert. All right. Uh, would you kiss Matthew McConaughey if he was like cool with it? <laughs> I love this question, but the answer is no. Um, just because, I don't know, he doesn't do it for me. Unpopular opinion, maybe. But I have this thing with like, so you know, like Tom Cruise, especially since top gun came out i just can't stand his face like i can't i'm i know tom cruise isn't going to listen to this but there's just like a certain there's there are these hollywood celebrities that every time i look at them i'm just like "Mm, 
you look like, I don't know, like I wouldn't get along with you. Anyways, he seems like one of those people. Next, what's the last thing you ate? Uh, pizza. So it's a Friday and I have a very strict tradition that on Fridays I eat pizza. It's like my award reward for getting through the week. <laughs> I actually started this kind of tradition when I worked at the Hagwon, like the first Hagwon that I worked at. Hagwon was like an academy, so the English academy I worked at when I first moved here was so horrific <laughs> that I had to like reward myself every Friday for making it through another week because I seriously did not think that I would. So then it was bagels, like there was a cafe across the street and every Friday I would take my break time and go enjoy a bagel by myself and it kept me sane throughout the week. Like the thought of that bagel on Friday, I was like, yes, you can do it, just keep going. But now... Um, I just have really good pizza places in my neighborhood. So on Fridays, uh, there's a restaurant called Slice. Slice. And you can get New York pizza by the slice. So that's what I did today. Okay. What makes you happy every day? Like every dot, single dot, day, dot. Another great question. Because uh, right off the bat, my brain goes to more carbs in my neighborhood. <laughs> there is a bakery in my neighborhood that I would travel hours just to buy their baguette. And I know what time the baguette comes out of the oven now in the morning. So if I can time it just right, I can get like hot, fresh baguette straight from the oven. And there's very few like simple joys in life that are greater than warm bread and butter right out of the oven and what makes this baguette so so good is that it's like a sourdough baguette it's not just like plain white flour it's like next level so if you ever come to my neighborhood and visit me we're going there and we will share that simple joy together but uh, as cheesy as it sounds another thing that makes me happy every day like every single day is Alex. <laughs> Next, have you ever been fired from a job? Um, okay, so what ha happened was, the answer, this is like, yes and no together. It's a kind of. So, let's go back to high school, high school Anna. I got a job at the very high-end um, clothing store called Aeropostal. Aeropostal. That was disgusting. I'm sorry. Um, but that was in my interview. They, the person interviewing me, I'm 16 years old. And she was like, so I heard you took French. And I was like, yes, I, I did. And she was like, can you correctly pronounce Aeropostale and tell me what it means? And I nailed it. So I got the job, boys and girls. But um, kind of a double-edged sword there. So it was my first time working retail ever, and my first day was on Black Friday. They just threw me to the wolves, and I can't remember any formal training um, other than them being like, fold clothes. When shirts aren't folded, fold them, you know? And they taught me how to fold the shirts, <clears throat> but as far as, oh no, 
<clears throat> okay, but as far as systems or you know how to clock in and clock out, where the schedule, I I don't know. Those details are muddy to me. I'm not saying that they didn't, but I'm also not saying that they did adequately train me. So I worked Black Friday. I worked a lot of evenings and weekends, and it was mostly for seasonal help, right? But after the seasonal time ended, I was being put on the schedule during class. So they would call me or text me and be like, hey, are you coming on today? Where are you? And I would be like, bro, I'm in biology. What did you think? I'm a, I'm a high school student and it's one o'clock. I can't go to work right now. And so eventually I was just taken off the schedule, but I was never called in and like, we're letting you go. That, that conversation I've never had, um, thank goodness, but that was like a, a soft firing, I guess. Okay, next question. What is your favorite Korean word and favorite American word? For Korean word, if you watch K-dramas, you might have heard this, but I don't know if, mm, yeah, let's call it a word. You might have heard like a mean girl in the kind of high school dramas or whatever say, 짜증나, and that means like, oh, you're so annoying. And for some reason, that's just a really fun word whenever I hear it or whenever I say it. Next, American word. <laughs> I love how you said, so I'm going to choose a specifically American word. I think I've never heard it outside of America, I don't think, but correct me if I'm wrong. I would say that my favorite American word is y'all. Why? Because I'm from the South. I'm from Appalachia. That word will always be in my vocabulary. It is quintessentially American. And I think it will always be like a word that always reminds me of home. <laughs> my first home. Okay, moving on. What's an item on yours and Alex's bucket list? So just to catch everyone up, I have a boyfriend. I hate that word. His name is Alex. And for the past six months, we have been long distance because he's been in America and I have been here. So not only have we had, you know, the whole long distance thing, but it's also been a 16 or 17 hour time difference, which is crazy and really long working days for him. Um, so we've had to navigate a lot of long distance things together. Uh, but all of that to say, I think the biggest item on our bucket list right now is just living in the same place again. <laughs> and even in Korea, we don't live in the same city, so he doesn't live in Seoul. Uh, so I guess we've kind of been doing like a long distance thing the whole time we've been together. But it would really be nice to have left less distance <laughs> between us. So I think that's the biggest thing on our bucket list at the moment, in my opinion. But other than that, there's so many places that we want to travel together, especially being in 
uh, East Asia right now and borders opening. So Incheon is like a huge flight hub for so many places and I just want to go everywhere now that I can. So yeah, I would say biggest item, closer proximity, and a bonus item, traveling to cool places. On that note, <laughs> when are you coming to SA to visit me? SA means South Africa, so I have actually been trying to get back to that part of the world for a very long time. And my original plan when I moved to Korea, so I moved here May 2019, and my plan was to work for a year, and then in June of 2020, to go back to Southern Africa. And I didn't know, like, for a while, for not a while, short-term, long, whatever. I just really wanted to go back, and that's the goal that I was working towards. However, you know what happened in 2020, and that just wasn't a possibility at all. And so I stayed, and I continued working, and as life goes, you get more and more invested into a place, and that's just what happened. Um, and I really started growing roots here in Seoul and um, working towards other goals. So I haven't been able to get back, but it is very, very high on my priority list for either the end of this year or next year. That's my plan. I'm, I'm really crossing fingers that I can make it happen because I miss Southern Africa so, so much. Um, another question is, what is your favorite part about living in each place you've lived? Whew. I think, so I think I first want to identify the places I've lived for people who don't know. So I've already talked about being like growing up in Appalachia. So I was born and raised in Tennessee in East Tennessee in a small town there and then I moved to Eswatini to Stegi and I traveled back and forth there for a while before moving there at the beginning of 2016 and I feel like Mozambique and South Africa should also get credit <laughs> because I was constantly making trips there so even though Eswatini was the home base, I was going to Mozambique in South Africa very, very regularly, like South Africa almost every month and Mozambique every two months or so. And even though I never got a residency visa for those places, they very much feel like additional homes to me. And of course, now I live in Seoul, South Korea, so... My favorite part about Tennessee is the familiarity and, you know, there's just something about like when you've grown up in a place and you can go back and you know where to eat for lunch and you run into people at the coffee shop and at the grocery store and you get to catch up and sometimes those things are not so fun, um, i.e. the time that I ran into an ex-boyfriend in a yoga class and he was with his wife and his wife's whole family, and they're super fit. And I was dying 
because the yoga class was advanced and I didn't know that. And anyways, that was not a fun example of that, but that's just something I don't get living in such a huge city. It's like running into people I know. And when I do, it's really, really, really fun. I think it's happened twice (laughs) since I've lived here, but I, I miss that like community aspect. Like if I need something, I know who to call. And I also um, really, really love the mountains and the lake and miss that. Uh, My favorite thing about living in Eswatini, oh, there's so many things. Hmm. Topping the list would probably be its majesty. (laughs) That might sound a little funny, but... There were seriously so many moments where I felt like I had to pinch myself and be like, wow, this is real life. So when you first drive into the country, so if you like fly into Joburg and you drive across the western border, um, like into Baban and Ezolwini, the first thing that greets you are just these massive green, green, green mountains with these houses and these huts dotted amongst them. And it's just gorgeous Um, and it looks like something out of a a storybook or like a movie it's really incredible and also when I would drive to the bank I would have to drive through a, a reserve and there would just be like zebras and giraffe and baboons along the road I could see elephants and I almost ran over a python one night. It was it was just so many moments uh, where I was like, wow, yeah, that just happened. That just happened. And uh, like one time there was warthog and impala in the grocery store. You could just buy those meats. It's like totally normal. Okay, great. I, I also really, really loved the relationship aspect of living there uh, that definitely was a favorite part for me too like going to the fruit and veg markets and uh, building relationships with those ladies and um, yeah yeah the relationships in my community I didn't know anyone in, in that community either when I moved there so for the first I don't know first few months I would take our car and just go <laughs> go drive out on dirt roads that I had no idea where they were going and if I saw people on the side of the road like if I especially if I saw groups of women gathered I would stop and just <laughs> I don't know <laughs> just like hey what's up guys and they're always so welcoming and I made lots of friends that way and lots of connections so yeah that is just something that I uh, remember as being so special about Eswatini. Uh, Mozambique, my favorite part. Ooh, Mozambique is such a gem, like so underrated. The beaches are pristine. The seafood is some of the best I've ever had. Like the bread, the food is amazing. And South Africa, like I think that everyone needs to put South Africa on their list of places to go. It is definitely probably like top five 
favorite countries on my list because it it has everything it has beaches and mountains and grasslands and deserts and like anything you could want as far as natural beauty they have super diverse the cultures are so interesting and intricate and I just felt so much um like lively joyful energy in South Africa uh and the Kruger is insane (laughs) you have to go on safari put it on your bucket list it is an incredible experience as far as Seoul goes there's a lot of favorite parts that I have like a lot of favorite things I have living here but I think convenience and um access to a good life that sounds okay that sounds strange stay with me there's socialized healthcare here and you know come at me it's okay i i understand but this healthcare system is like one of the greatest blessings ever <laughs> so this past week i had like my annual um employee health check and i went to the hospital and i had I I can't even count how many tests I had done. Uh, there were so many, and it was things like uh, so, like uh, ultrasounds in my organs and EKG, you know, stuff like that. And it was completely free. That was amazing. And even in my neighborhood, you know, I have a lot of like specialists, like orthopedic doctor and an ENT that I can just walk into be seen in 15 minutes and it costs less than $10. And that is just amazing for me. Unlike when I was in the States a few weeks ago and I got the flu and my ear was blocked and I was supposed to go to Mexico the next day. And I went to urgent care because I felt terrible and it took like two and a half or three hours and $400. No, no, thank you. That's crazy. (laughs) That is so crazy. And it makes no sense anyways. Uh, So yeah, honestly, healthcare is probably my favorite thing. And um, the systems, like it is so convenient to order food here. If I order groceries by midnight, they're at my door by 7 a.m. And yeah, it's really, really safe. I love that. But I think um, making relationships has been making relationships, building relationships has been very hard here, unlike all of the other places that I've lived. And so, yeah, I would say for the first, like, short answer after I've gone through that entire 10-minute spiel, the, my favorite part about living in each of the places I've lived is always the people I've met. Um, That's been more challenging here, but definitely in Africa, Southern Africa, and in Tennessee, it's the people that I miss the most. Okay, wow. Next question. What is one thing you wish was more the norm in Seoul that is the norm in the States? Trash cans? Mm-hmm. I don't know why there are no trash cans on the streets in this country, but there aren't, and I wish it was normal. But other than that, um, I really miss diversity living in South Korea. 
there's not, you know, like the beauty standards are very stringent um, in the sense that there is one beauty standard, you know, like there, there's like a blueprint for how people are supposed to look. And um, I wish that I saw more diversity in that area. And actually, the next question um, is kind of ties into this, but I was just, you know, in the States a couple of weeks ago, and it it was so refreshing just seeing so many different types of people. And what I love about going to the States, especially on an international flight, is that you go in, in the immigration line, right? And there's a line for U.S. passports, and there's a line for, you know, other country passport holders. And consistently, every time I've been through the line of the U.S. passport holders, it is such a diverse line. And it's not, you know, you don't hear like all English being spoken. There's not like one demographic that really shows up more than the other. It is truly a melting pot. And I think that is very beautiful. And I love that that is more normal in the States. Um, But yeah, the next question that someone asked was, 99% of K-dramas I watch. There is no racial diversity. Is this accurate for South Korea? Um, I don't really want to go super into detail with this because I don't feel qualified (laughs) to answer the, well, demographically South Korea. But what I can say is just from, you know, my research and my experience, I've seen numbers anywhere from 96 to 99% of South Korea is ethnically Korean. And when you look at Korea, both geographically and historically, that makes sense, right? So when you think about Korea geographically, it is effectively an island because disconnected because of our upstairs neighbors. And then it's a peninsula. It's like at the bottom of a peninsula. So um, yeah, that that's just what it is. And Korea's economic development didn't really start after until after the war, right? And so even though it has grown in leaps and bounds um, economically, there's still a lot of work to do when it comes to diversity. And uh, I'm hopeful that that will become more um, accepted, I guess, or I I don't even want to say accepted. (laughs) I'd like to say more celebrated, I think, in the next uh, two or three decades, is that right? 10 years, yes. Okay, I think we should go on. (laughs) Uh, Will you stay in Korea forever? Or do you think you'll end up back in the States? This is a great question. I think I will end up in the States uh, for at least a time. So this is actually my eighth year living abroad, and I love living abroad. You guys know that it has been the single most enriching experience of my life and has grown me in ways that I will always cherish. Um, However, 
I'm getting really tired of having to fight for my life at immigration every year. <laughs> and there are ways to make that easier in Korea. But just to be honest, um, I am not willing to put in the work that it takes to get there. Like, it, it means taking all these extra classes and yeah, I've already been here for four years and I've actually been like I've taken those classes I've tried going that route and on top of working full-time and you know trying to like um enjoy my life I just I it's it's more work than I'm willing to put in quite frankly too lazy for it and I don't want to raise a family here like I don't want to be always constantly a 13-hour flight away from my family like it there's just a lot of things I think as you get older you start to contemplate more so it looks like I will probably be in the states for a season um, that being said the states is also a foreign place to me and I feel just as out of place there as if like as I would if I was to move to Australia or you know some English speaking place that I have never lived before uh, even though you know, I, I grew up there. I grew up in Tennessee. That's a very specific subculture. And moving somewhere else, I don't know. It's it's always a culture shock. And I think the reverse culture shock is worse than your initial culture shock when you move overseas. Because you expect things to be different when you move to a new country. You don't expect them to be so severe when you move back to the place where your passport is from and you feel like you know. So, yeah, that's what I'm thinking at the moment, but we will see. Only time will tell. Okay, here, I need to take a deep breath before this one. Let's all take a deep breath. Inhale, exhale. Okay. The question is, are you thriving with the distance between you and your religious trauma? And then there's like, <laughs> feel free to not answer that one. But I do want to answer this one. And I think before we we kind of like shift into this question and talk about some more serious things, I kind of want to define what I'm going to uh, use the word the church as, if that makes sense. So we need a functional definition of the church. And I'm sure there are a lot of you probably listening that I might have grown up in church with, um, and I want to be very clear that I'm not talking about a single church here. I'm talking about the church as a system, um, as an institution, and that means, sure, like the church I grew up in is part of that, but so is the Pentecostal university that I went to, the missions organizations that I was a part of, um, the conferences I attended, the larger, you know, like the sermons I listened to from people within the evangelical church, even if they weren't in my community, um, the church I went to as an adult in the States, which was a uh, part of you know, the same denomination, but kind of had different beliefs. So all of those things I'm referring to as the church. And 
as an adult, I would say that uh, religious trauma has had one of the most um, like white knuckle grasps on my brain. It is, it has been the thing that has been the hardest to detangle um, with my therapist, <laughs> especially the beliefs that are um, promoted about who you are as a woman um, and what you're capable of and what you are called to and what you should and shouldn't do. And there's just like this inherent shame that was woven throughout um, the religious messaging that I received and a lot of my friends received um, growing up in the era that we grew up in in the church because thank you, purity culture. (laughs) Um, So the distance between me and that specific culture right now has definitely led to thriving because I don't carry around this weight of I have to manage by my behavior every single day at all costs because I don't know who is watching and as a woman of God I have to hold myself to these standards which are impossible and that's just very freeing um there are also a lot of things before I moved to Korea that were incredibly hurtful um that the church like perpetuated and it's been really nice to distance myself from that and another unpopular opinion but it has been really really nice to have two full days of rest on the weekend (laughs) so I have been when I first moved to Seoul like I was going to church and it just felt really uh, inauthentic, I think. So I would go there and I would sit and I would listen to these sermons and I would sing songs and then I would go home and it would take like six hours out of my day, which is fine, but it wasn't like I was having these super great interactions with fellow believers or, you know, like it just wasn't... uh, beneficial in my life at that time and what I've realized being like with having space in between me and the church and the faith culture that I grew up in is that I miss the community more than anything like I really miss the church community that I grew up with however I'm not willing to hide or label parts of myself as sinful just to be a part of them anymore. That is what led to so much pain in my life before and I'm not willing to go back to that. So that's where I'm at now and um, again I know that that might be an unpopular (laughs) opinion but I think that something this journey to this point has taught me is that um, faith is really it's really important for your faith to always be growing and moving and if it's not then it's stagnant 
and gross. And I realize that like when I look back, my faith doesn't look like what it looked like 10 years ago. And I think that that is so good and it's been so healthy and so freeing. And I also recognize that what where I'm at now is probably not where I'll be in a year. And I also look forward to that as well. So yeah, I think that's where I'm going to stop <laughs> with that question. And the last question we have is um, things you've learned about yourself while in Korea. This is another really huge question. Um, and I think I'm actually going to do an entire podcast about this one because I think there's just so much to explore here with my own story and also um, just with each of our stories. I love talking through uh, times of growth and this has definitely been a huge one for me. But I think that since I moved here, there's actually been as much, if not more things that I've had to unlearn about myself. Uh, so I kind of want to go that direction, I think, for now. And though there have been so, so many, I would say the, the main things that I've had to um, unlearn are that being alone is dangerous. And so the messaging I heard a lot was like, Satan wants to get you alone so that he can, you know, prey on you and wants to isolate you. And I think that that is, you know, that may be true. Um, however, being alone and being isolated are not the same thing at all. And being alone brought so much more clarity to my life than, you know, like constantly having people's voices all in my ears all the time and feeling like I had to listen to them, which is another thing that I had to unlearn <laughs> is that um, I can't trust myself. That if you grow up in the church, like you'll notice these are all churchy things. If you grow up in the church, I think from the time you're you're little, 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 and you learn about, you know, the sinner's prayer and us being um, sinful people born into sin because of original sin. Um, I'm not arguing any of that, but the messaging is that, you know, your heart is evil and you cannot trust anything that your heart says. And so then how that kind of played out in my life was never being able to recognize what my own inner voice was saying, you know, like, um, and there's another voice that says like the heart is deceptive above all else, right? So we use that to teach people like, don't listen to your heart. The worst thing you can do is listen to your heart. But if you're not listening to your heart, then you're listening to all these other people, right? And I was listening to people who had no right speaking into my life. And the things that they were saying to me, especially before I moved here, um, were really, really damaging and painful. So the, you know, that was like the divorce era for me right before I moved here. And obviously it's incredibly, incredibly painful because, um, I was also like, I was grieving Africa. Like I was dre grieving my dream of, what I felt like God had called me to when I was a little girl, you know, I had had this uh, huge desire to go and serve God, like, 
among the nations, be a missionary, all these things that were um, labeled as really good and really noble things in the Christian community. And I did that for years. Like I devoted my whole 20s to, um, to being a missionary. And then all of a sudden, the people who um, had supported me the whole way, uh, it was like instantly turned their back on me and literally said to me that God would n- could not bless me. If, if you do this, God cannot bless you. You are removing um, God's hand over your life. Like you're, you're forfeiting God's favor on you. And my conditioning taught me to listen to them because they were in positions of power over me or they were pastors and leaders. And I think that I have learned about myself that I'm way stronger than I've given myself credit for because it took more strength than I can communicate to look at them in the face and say, I don't think so. Like, I don't think you're right. And to then speak over myself when very few people were. I mean, like, I I had a handful of really good friends after that. Like, the people who were in my, in my inner circle shrunk very rapidly through that time. And to then believe, like, have the... Um, guts or bravery or moxie, the audacity to then believe that first of all, they were wrong. And that second of all, I am worthy of whatever good things life has for me just because I'm here and I'm human. And I think that is also the message that I want to share coming into this new year uh, because we can't be reminded enough that there is nothing that you have to earn with your goodness Um, but your humanity makes you inherently worthy of good things and full stop full stop there so well guys This has been a very long one, a very wordy one. This is the longest podcast I've ever done in my life, and it might have been pretty heavy. Um, I kind of want to say I want to hear from you, but I'm also very scared to say that because I know, (laughs) I know this, um, yeah, this is pretty loaded conversation, but thank you for listening and thank you for being with me. Um, in this season and also I just want to say that I'm really looking forward to what's coming ahead like coming up for this podcast there are some some different things coming that I haven't done before and I'm looking forward to them and I really hope that you'll stay with me on this journey and that you look forward to them too so that's that's all I have for today the end
Again, thank you so, so much for listening to this episode of Different Like Me podcast. Don't forget to subscribe or follow Different Like Me on Spotify or Apple Podcasts to make sure you're notified when a new episode is available. Share with your friends and family on social media and follow on Instagram at Different Like Me podcast or you can also follow me at Anna. Till next time, bye-bye.